the WSL edition of the Football Engine podcast. I'm your host Christian. Uh, before we get this episode started, I would like to apologize again for there not being an episode last week. I just was really busy and didn't find time to record. Uh, but the most important thing is that we're back again today, this week, to discuss the latest action from the WSL. Uh, and to do that, I'm joined by Liv. Welcome to the podcast again. Thanks for having me back on, Christian, as always. <laughs> always a pleasure. Um, so I think we should just start uh, chronologically with the games from match day 13 of the WSL. With yep. Manchester United against Tottenham, it finished 3-0 to Manchester United. And United are in really good form at the moment with six wins in a row uh, and six clean sheets uh, in all competitions. Uh, first of all, Lev, is this kind of showing that Mark Skinner has turned things around? Um, I mean, for sure, it's it's a really good like run of form. You you've looked really deadly on attack, and and I think it is showing that um, he has got it in him to lead a team like United. Um, and yeah, I can only really hope that it it, it stays for you guys. So um, it's definitely a welcoming. I can imagine it's really welcoming uh, if you were a Man United fan. Um, but, but but yeah, I mean, considering like the gap in performance from from the beginning of the season to now I feel like the progress has been really huge and um, yeah I I think obviously you watch them weekly so um, you'd probably see the progress better but um, what about you do you think it's like a change in form yeah I mean I was as you know very critical of Mark when he got appointed and also at the start of the season because I just didn't really see any particular attacking pattern or patterns of play or just any identity of the team. Uh, But then kind of the December run with three wins out of three uh, really kind of started to turn things around for us. Uh, And I got to give him credit because he has decided to to change things up and he has found something that seems to be working relatively well for, for this team and kind of the personnel playing all the midfielders and stuff like that. It, it, it seems to work and United look uh, more they fluid. They look more of a threat as well. Yeah. They played like more forward and they, they, they seem to manage to control games better. Yeah. Uh, I still think there's things to work on. I will kind of get back to that. I, I think he needs to kind of change a bit. Uh, but this is really good from him. Uh, these these last games very impressed and gotta give him credit and praise him for, for the work he's done, he has done 
Yeah, for sure. Um, and I also think with with that game specifically of how huge it is um, for 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 even like for both Spurs and Man United. Um, you know, United even winning three nil showed how actually, you know, even though they're only some points you know apart from each other um united for sure on that day you know showed up um and personified like well what mark's again is trying to do um so so yeah i think i think what did you think of you know the performance and the and the gameplay would you think it was more promising um, i don't think it was as good as against birmingham i thought this was kind of a little bit worse but i also kind of expected it to be a bit worse because of Tottenham being a better team than Birmingham and also yeah. being a lot more kind of defensively solid and it's kind of what Tottenham has done the, uh, the whole season like trying to to make it difficult for their opponents by being this solid defensive team uh, not allowing them space uh, and just be very difficult to to break break down uh, and yeah. I thought kind of you showed I, I thought it kind of showed in United's performance that uh, in the first half, before they got their first goal uh, from a set piece, they they had the ball a lot, uh, but they didn't really do anything uh, with it. They struggled kind of to find the solutions uh, yeah. in going forward and break Tottenham down, despite like having a lot of possession and controlling the game, not allowing Tottenham much uh, in attack, uh, but they themselves didn't create anything. Uh, yeah. And the stuff they created was just not very good chances at all. Then they kind of got their goal uh, from a set piece, which I kind of felt would decide the game in some some way. It's yeah. kind of a typical team when you play such a defensively solid team that you, yeah, you it's need, one of those games. Yeah, you, need, you just need the first goal, and then you're you, then you're you, through, and then yeah. you yeah, I'll get you for sure. Um, and I think I think. Like with with Tottenham Man United, there, there's um, they're quite similar in the fact that there, there's gaps in both like defending and attacking. So actually, when you get it on paper, like when 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 it actually comes to the game, it's it's quite hard for I'm going to say deadlock to be broken because well, if one team's really strong in defending and the other's a bit weaker in attack, it, it obviously they kind of balance each other out. So so actually what you're saying with set-piece goals, yeah, they're huge. They're huge for this game especially. Um, and then obviously from that point, it's just team morale and whether they can get back up on their feet. And Tottenham showed that it wasn't their day for that. Yeah, not like after the the first goal, they, they United also kind of got a bit of a... like. Goal, second goal from kind of nowhere. They were like kind of stuck on the right, and then uh, I think it was Una Bache or Alessio Russo just um, just trying to get through, and then the the ball bounced off a Tottenham defender, which got them through, and then they crossed it in for for Hayley to to head it in. So that was kind of a bit of a kind of random goal coming from nowhere, uh, and yeah. at two 0 I thought it was game over because Tottenham didn't. Uh, offer much at all going forward um, and another thing I would like to say is also kind of about United's performances um, about their play is that uh, whilst they did control the ball and the game I thought their build-up play was a bit slow because uh, the their, their midfielders 
their the two their two holding midfielders didn't show enough for the ball when the center backs held the ball. So it was kind of a struggle to find someone as an option. Yeah. Um, and I think that led to United struggling to break them down uh, in the first half. Yeah, for sure. And to be honest, like the second half wasn't really that much better. Uh, but, you know, United got, got a goal, yeah. uh, another goal, and then uh, that was really it, despite United, United giving away two, two really big chances to Tottenham, which they probably should have scored from. Um, that's kind of the problem for me, is that United uh, United's midfield just give the ball away in dangerous areas when they're in control, or seemingly in control, and then the, the opponents start to create chances from it, and Tottenham should have scored twice. Yeah. I mean, even if you think about... Um, I'm going to bring Arsenal into it, but, but the reason... So, like, their goals recently that they've conceded have all come from kind of mistakes further up the field and then, you know, giving away chances like that. And then it's a matter of whether... Because when we didn't have Leah Williamson, it was a case of, okay, so we've got these two people at the back um, who weren't particularly fast, but that, that just kind of left such a big gap. And against Birmingham, I think it was a, a mistake from Viv that led to, to the goal. But... Um, it's kind of similar with you, with with United. Like it can be a mistake felt in the midfield that can go all the way back and gives Tottenham a chance. And I mean, you know, it was just only by chance really that Tottenham didn't convert it. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of frustrating because because it's it's always it always or not always, but very often seems to be Katie Salem who, who gives the ball away. Yeah, uh, and she did it twice on this occasion. Uh, or in this game, uh, almost leading to a goal. And to be fair to her, she has improved a lot uh, in this during this winning run uh, compared to uh, earlier in the season. So yeah. I think that's good from her. I think that shows that she she has a, a higher level in her. Uh, but I'm still like, still don't think she should start in United's best midfield. Because yeah. of kind of the the potential for for mistakes and her kind of weak defensive game. I mean, say for instance, if she doesn't start, who who would you kind of like put in for her? Well, I'm getting back to it, but I think it, the obvious choice is kind of Jackie Gronin, who's who's coming back back from injury and made yeah back from injury a, a cam, cameo appearance for like 25 minutes in this game, and I thought she was excellent. I mean, I think you could see. What she brought straight away, like quality on the ball, press resist, press press resistance, just the ability to to get out of pressure and also yeah. play forward passes. Like the one thing, uh, I th- like the one moment from Gronin I I really enjoyed was her receiving the ball with the back to Tottenham's goal, being pressured by two players, and then she just turned away from them with ease and and played through Marta Thomas. Uh, so. I think, you know, that shows what she brings. So for yeah. me, she should just play uh, everything as long as she, she's fit enough to do so. Yeah, um, I agree. And then just stick with the other midfielders, Lad, Berisa and Alatun, uh, because all of them have been also really good. Um, 
One thing, though, we need to talk about is the fact that before United's game, uh, and when United posted the lineup on on, on Twitter, uh, Millie Turner's name wasn't in the squad. Uh, and they later, or very quickly, came out with the the tweet and update that she's out for an indefinite period of time with a problem in her neck and with a neck artery. Uh, so what impact do, do you think that will have on United uh, for the, uh, as long as I she's mean, out? Yeah, I mean, she's huge for, for your team. Um, and, and it's, yeah, she's like centre, you know, centre of the defence kind of thing, even if that's kind of... She's she's important. She's an important player for both leadership and I'd say for defending. Um, it's going to cause a real big headache um, for Mark and also for for the players. Um, it kind of reminds me again of when Leah was out for Arsenal. Um, I feel like there's going to be uh, a gap created with Millie. Um, but obviously, uh, Mark, and we're going to get into transfers later. But he has uh, <laughs> he's attempted to bring in some some sort of replacement for her, but. I think she is, she's big. So actually, for when, you know, if you look at the, the games that are coming up for United, they're big games. Um, and it's probably the worst time you could, um, you could possibly lose her. Um, yeah, it's, it, it will cause a headache. That's what I think. But what, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's any coincidence that uh, after she returned, her first game back was against Leicester in the, Cup, which ended 2-2, but after yeah. that, United have won all of their games and keeping clean sheets in every single one of them. Um, so I don't think that's a coincidence that, coincidence that when she's played, United look a lot better defensively. Um, mm. She brings kind of this uh, calmness to the back line uh, so they look more comfortable playing and also in United's build-up play, she's a very good ball-playing defender, so when United build up, she she's capable of playing the ball uh, through lines and just build up the play faster. Um, yeah. And she also, you know, has this aerial presence, uh, which really helps defending United's box. Uh, and I thought, kind of, you saw the difference in United's defense when she was away uh, uh, earlier. That. Uh, Maria Thor's daughter didn't really have the same qualities and United's yeah. defense looked a lot more fragile. Um, so I, I, I'm very worried now that she's out for an indefinite period, especially yeah. going into this, these especially going, yeah. big, big games. I mean, with Arsenal coming up as well, um, I feel like as an Arsenal fan, obviously I, I don't, I don't want her to be injured, but but it is more of a a relief because it it's a knock. Like she brings such a presence to Man United, it will be it would just be really interesting, especially when these big games are coming up. I mean, Tottenham was big, but but you know the bigger the bigger the games get, you know the more of a presence they're going to need. And um, yeah, I think I think it'll be really big um, and and quite. Yeah, it, it could change anything, to be honest. Yeah, um, and Tottenham aren't really known for their attacking prowess. No, of uh, So not. You, you can kind of get away with a weaker defence against a team like them. Yeah, I mean, their results are, are quite low. Like, uh, <laughs> they're quite low scoring, but quite a few clean sheets. So, yeah. um, 
I think that kind of personifies what's going on. Do we have to talk about Spurs in this game? Because I didn't really feel like there were, mm. there, were there was much to talk about. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I don't really think there was much to talk about. I mean, we've, we've spoken about their defence and, and uh, att- <laughs> lacking attacking um, yeah, prowess. We, but We know what they were trying to do. We know they what did, they were trying to do, but for no, it didn't. Like in the end, it worked for like, well, all the way until the first goal. Uh, and then they... But I also have to say, though, like, the gap, um, this is just like a, a thing for this season, but the gap that their quality now from last season is huge. And, and I think it's so promising for that Spurs team. Actually, even on the back of this, even if they don't qualify for Champions League, like they've had such a solid season. Um, and and uh, yeah, I, I, I think it promising things ahead for Spurs. I do. So should we go on to the next one? <laughs> Yeah, uh, we should, and it's a very pleasant one for you because uh, it's Brighton versus Chelsea. <laughs> I loved that game, and it ended nil nil. Yeah, um, I mean, dare I say it? I mean, it's it's not obviously a title decider, but it's it's part way up there. Um, yeah, it, you know, it, it can be huge for for it. For it can be race. really huge. Yeah. Um. So of course, yeah. So Chelsea drew nil nil to Brighton uh, away, and um. I watched. I did. I watched the whole game, so I was. I'm quite clued in, but <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, it was an interesting game because Chelsea uh, first half were very, very quiet. Didn't have much of the ball at all. But when they did have the ball, it was um, a lot of inaccurate. Uh, shots, not many on target, uh, quite a few skying over the bar. Even like it didn't really matter whether they've got um, Harder on the pitch or Kirby. It just wasn't working out for them. Um, and, and it kind of was that way all the way uh, through the game. But but the thing for me was when it, you know, when it turned half time, I thought this is this is such a huge thing for Brighton because you know that they're letting I think six goals after I think who were they drawing against it uh, City that was it they were drawing against City nil nil half time and then it was after half time uh, I don't know what happened uh, they're letting six so I think for me watching it I was thinking this this half time is huge um, whether they will be able to to keep it afterwards. Um, but their body language looked so much better uh, this week. It was almost as if they listened to our podcast, Christian. Yeah, almost, <laughs> it was, yeah. it was, it was, it was really good body language, and and they looked ready to go. Um, and of course, it, it wasn't easy for them in the second half, but they managed to hold their own. And and even with Chelsea bringing on uh, Beth England, I, I it just didn't work for them. Um, and and I think I was thinking, oh God, you know, what's the next Emma Hayes excuse going to be? Uh, but I think. Chelsea without Sam Kerr is like she makes such a difference in that team, um, and and yeah, I I think obviously it was such a huge, um, well obviously they they shared points didn't they? It was one point each, but for, even for Arsenal, um, just just watching them uh, draw to Brighton was was huge because um, we need those points, <laughs> and it's getting closer and closer up the top, um, so. Yeah, that that was my opinion on the game, but uh, I don't suppose you what you thinking. Yeah, I just felt something was missing for Chelsea. I mean, yeah. parts of their play and in periods they they looked quite fluid and they clicked quite well. Um, yeah. But 
then when they got into kind of the final third slash the the final pass or shot, they just made a poor decision. I mean, I think the biggest uh, ex- there are two big big examples of that from the from the first half, and then one of them is when Pernilla Harder got kind of drove forward and she had options to the left and she had Frank Kirby to the right, but then she took mm-hmm. a shot from outside of, outside of the box, which went straight at Megan Walsh. Which was a waste, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's I another that was a waste. And the second one was when Frank Kirby got through on goal. Yeah, that was it. And she took <laughs> the shot too early, and it ended up being straight at Megan Walsh again. But we must say, though, Megan Walsh had such a game. Um, honestly, yeah. I, I, I put her as my woman of the match. Um, oh yeah, definitely. She she's so incredible. She justified us picking her as the, the <laughs> goalkeeper did. for our mid-season. Again, the, I think they're season. playing the podcast in the changing room, Christian. <laughs> yeah, they have to. Obviously, Megan Walsh is, is is just getting motivated by listening to us praising her. So she she puts up performances. Slagging like off the other teams and praising Megan Walsh. Yeah. <laughs> no, but for real, she's she's honestly such a credit to that Brighton team, and I. I think i'm gonna be honest i think she's the the key player to that team at the moment um obviously they've signed two uh swedish players from haken and um that that's big for them uh and and i i kind of wanted to see them like used a bit more uh than what they were against chelsea but you know it does take time to settle in and and you know, really maximise them. But yeah, Megan Walsh, honestly, some of the shots she saved, like, should have gone in. Um, but yeah, she, she's solid brick wall. <laughs> I think she's the goalkeeper that's, that has made the most saves this season so far. Yeah, I'm, I, I could be wrong, but no, I, I think, think I that was that one somewhere. of the... I think I she's think... got the most... Uh, yeah, I think it's the most blocks per game or something. Yeah. Um, I think we also briefly has to have to mention Brighton and their strong defensive showing. I mean, they defended very well, uh, but they didn't really just sit back to defend, especially like in the first half, as you said. They they kind of went for it at the start and yeah. looked really up for it. So it wasn't just Chelsea having all of the possession and then... Yeah, and then not benefiting from it. No, for sure. And I think that that was a huge thing that they took away from Man City was the the need to get an early goal. Um, and if they don't get an early goal, then then yeah, it's it's all about the defense. But their defense has always been quite solid. They've they've never been that weak in the defense quarter. It's always kind of been the attacking that's a bit like Spurs. Yeah. Um, they, uh, yeah, they, they can use their flanks to the advantage. They use um, their centre backs well. Um, it was just kind of a case of there was a couple of gaps in the midfield and 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 getting back. I think I noticed. Um, but yeah, as you said, it definitely wasn't a case of okay, so they sat back, they they just let silly things go and whatever from Chelsea. No, that they, they did, they really did try. And um, I think again, if I was a Brighton fan, I'd, I'd be I'd be quite happy with that performance. Like even as an Arsenal fan, if if against Chelsea, it's it's huge. Without Sam Kerr or not, you know, drawing against Chelsea is such a big thing. And and actually, the, the team did deserve the draw. Uh, the Brighton team, they did deserve some points from it. So, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think at, at some point it was just a case of Chelsea pushing them back rather than sitting back. Uh, that ended up them defending a lot more. Yeah. 
but yeah, all credit to, to Brighton. For sure. So let's move on to a game that between two teams uh, in kind of the bottom of the table, Leicester versus Aston Villa. Um, Aston Villa ended up winning this game 2-1, thanks to first an early goal, and then Leicester equalized, and then a late goal from Alicia Lehman uh, yeah. won it. Uh, I think we just need to talk about Alicia Lehman's impact on the game because she's always kind of a player that I've never kind of under managed to understand because everyone seems to praise her, but then she hasn't really delivered that much. Yeah, I, she's one of those players that um, I feel like an Aston Villa side really would suit her well. Um, of course, she's huge for she's she's good for Switzerland and and whatnot, but but it's kind of this is her kind of type of game where she can really dominate. Um, it's not a case of big players surrounding her. There, there's obviously there, there are some some really good key players in Aston Villa, but she's kind of a um, a star, I'd say, in that side. And and kind of as you said, like she's not a phenomenal player, um, and she definitely gets a lot more hype but um i think one reason why for that is obviously her social media presence um but I, yeah she, i mean the fact that she came on and, and 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 scored late a late winner was was huge um and and the impact it had for the aston villa um it just it just shows really how she can change a game um but yeah even even for aston villa like this this result is just really key for them i mean it's it's bunked them all the way up to um to ninth so it was crucial um but yeah she she was 100 percent a big part of it um but yeah, but would you she, she was like the centerpiece of everything aston villa created yeah. in the game it's like she was plans? she was involved in, in all of it so yeah yeah that's why I put her, put her in our team of the week. Um, Very good, Christian. <laughs> um, but, okay, what are your kind of general thoughts on the game? Because I felt like this was a game of two halves even, that Aston Villa dominated really in the first half and kind of had the chances. Uh, but then Leicester uh, had the upper hand in the second half and was quite unlucky, to be honest, kind of on the, on the winning goal. Uh, yeah, conceding that because it was kind of a bounce, uh, a yeah. deflection from a player that just went through, and Ashley Plumtree didn't ma- just about didn't manage to to get something on it. Yeah, I have to completely agree with you. Um, and actually, I'm gonna say I think this is probably one of Leicester's more promising performances this season. Um, but I think also like with with this with the slip up at the end, I think it kind of shows that the that they are one of the least experienced like teams in the in the WSL at the moment. Um, and even though obviously Aston Villa are quite young to the league, um, they've got quite a lot of experienced players, and it kind of goes back to what I said in last podcast. Um, it it was just silly silly things with Leicester. Uh, you know, towards the end, and and even though they were the more dominant in the second, it it was it was just kind of Aston Villa's. I'm gonna kind of consistent. They they were a bit more consistent. I mean, both teams were qu- were quite average throughout the game, and and yeah, as you said, it was kind of half to half. But um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the best game of football I've seen. But um, yeah, it 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 showed. 
despite it being like unlucky for Leicester, it did kind of show why Aston Villa should have scored that goal. Um, I think they were the the more experienced team at the end of it. Yeah, it was kind of some sort of typical game between two teams that are kind of in the bottom of the table. You don't think yeah. like fireworks, to be honest. But uh, yeah, it was kind of average. But in general, I thought maybe a draw would be fair due to just them being yeah due to the better. positions and stuff. Yeah, yeah, them being one team being better in, in in the first half and the other being better in the second half. Uh, so it was kind of unlucky for Leicester, but uh, I think. Uh, you know, I, I guess you sometimes create your own luck and conceding in the last minute kind yeah, of shows why Leicester is uh, or are where they are at the table. Yeah, um, I agree. So let's move into a quite an entertaining game. Yeah. At least it had a lot of goals. It was Reading versus Birmingham. And Birmingham took a two-goal lead. Uh, and we'll probably be disappointed that they let this slip and not getting anything away yeah, from the game. Yeah, really. But I what, mean, what do you think of like Birmingham now? Uh, the like just in general and from the game, if you want. Yeah, I mean, so I I watched this game um, and I thought it was it was actually probably one of one of the the more thrilling games I think I've watched this season uh purely because Birmingham came into it um with this this confidence that I think is just so refreshing because they've come off the bat from obviously winning against Arsenal and and even getting more like good results against other teams and it was just so refreshing to see them come into it and think, you know what? And even though Red and R are above us, we we can definitely come away with these three points. Um, and and just looking, at, I've I've often critiqued Birmingham for for always letting their key players go and and and, but actually, what the squad that they had against Reading was it was really it just worked well. Um, especially well obviously in the first half it worked better than the second but but actually overall like it it did just it just worked um whether that was from defense and and to attack but I think especially their attack is just so it was just so lethal um but I think also that they take chances like they they can really get the best out of a chance so it could be maybe they get like three chances for a game but they will always kind of be accurate with with the chances um but especially in this game I, I just think it was just such a shame um that they lost their flow so so obviously they scored uh their first goal within the first five minutes I think it was or maybe six minutes um and then it was the second goal was around like the 40 45th minute think, maybe no, just I before half time yeah like 37th i think 37th oh you yeah, know it was delayed because of grace maloney's injury yeah. uh yeah so obviously grace maloney but i also think this is such a huge thing grace's injury um and i feel like if it didn't happen um it's a bit of an odd one but I feel like if it didn't happen then I feel like Reading would have lost um and the reason why I'm saying that is because the Reading players um I would have thought okay this is going to really knock Reading and it's going to be a big scoring event um but actually it kind of flew like threw off the Birmingham players more than it did the Reading um and and I feel like 
Grace being injured and, and it looked really bad. Um, and, I, and I feel like that really spurred the, the Reading players on to, to, to come back. And um, Birmingham were just completely out of their depth in the second. And um, yeah, it was honestly, it was just really great to see Reading to just come back from three to two. But I, I do feel bad for Birmingham and, and they will be really annoyed that they let that slip. Um, but, but what do you think about it? Because... Yeah. <laughs> no, I think like Birmingham are playing with a lot more belief now after yeah. Darren Carter coming in and also managing to to get results and see that they can actually compete with with the other teams on a on a very and and create tight games. Uh, I thought like during the first half of the season from for long part you, you just looked at Birmingham and thought that they you have to win this this game. And yeah. you should you, you should win. They're kind of a walkover almost. Uh but now they they actually managed to to create a competitive game uh out of almost based almost every game they play in. Uh, so yeah, and uh, they look they, they just looked looked more confident and more threatening going forward. I think that's one of the things I criticized about them earlier in the season is that they, they just didn't have anything going forward. They, they there were two two big distances between the striker and the rest of the team. Uh, they just sat mm. back and defended. But now they actually have a willingness to go forward and uh, and attack other teams. And I think that's kind of the belief part of Yeah, I'll have to them. agree. Um, so, yeah. Um, I also think we need to talk about Redding's mentality. Uh, because coming back from from two 0 down is a big thing. Uh, although I do feel like kind of the timing of the goals they scored really helped them, like getting a goal right before half time. Uh, getting like I think it was like four minutes before. Yeah, like, it was. It was like four minutes, and I think. Yeah, forty five plus four or something. Um, so I think you know. That made them believe that they could come back, and then they got a goal right after halftime as well, and that kind of it, yeah, it got it level again, knocked Birmingham spirits down. Yeah, um, and then no, Reading right. was kind of spurred on with by Grace Maloney's injuries, them one probably wanting to win the game for her. Yeah, uh, and also them just uh, taking kind of the momentum they had created before halftime and right half after halftime to get the that winning goal, which was sublime, by the way. Um, it was, that it from, was sublime. This was just ridiculously beautiful. When when does she ever not score worldies? <laughs> she she yeah, it was honestly it was so it was such a nice goal to see and 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 even at the end, just seeing how much it meant to the Redding players, um, it was great. But even at, like after the first goal, um. And I don't know if if I was just kind of paying attention to Sane because obviously I know her, but but more to the point that just just the attitude and and they scored one goal and even though they're only two like they're they're still losing they're two one down it was a quick okay girls let's go again like quick like let's get back to the try and get it level um, and and I just think there was just such a desire to win that game and at the end of the day uh, they had it uh, more in the end. Than uh, Birmingham did, and, and obviously a stunning goal um, at the end. So, yeah, I think that's kind of the main takeaways from that game. 
they also play with with momentum and confidence reading because I mean they won six out of the last seven and one draw. Yeah, I mean it's great form. Yeah. Um, let's talk about a team that's not in very good form at all, and that's Everton. I mean, they played West Ham. We, we definitely jinxed them before the season. I, I think I think that's kind of a me problem. I I tweeted even I said Everton's gonna win the league. My my second favorite like soft spot team. They're gonna win, and then yeah, your mm, jinx is just. I think it's. I think you know what. I I don't know if you've seen one of my uh my my mutuals on Twitter has this thing of like jinxing every single Arsenal game. So like she could say, oh, is it Arsenal's Chloe gonna... or whatever. Chloe, yeah it's Chloe she she can jinx anything and then it, it happens so maybe I'm getting some of it from her maybe it's rubbing off on me but yeah. maybe I gave it to her I mean I was making this prediction back in September <laughs> but yeah, no I mean possibly. Everton was um yeah it, it wasn't a great game for them at all and actually that they should with the squad that they have um they should definitely be be it's so frustrating because it really does show the theory of it doesn't matter what what players you have in the squad it matters about the manager and and I think that has just been their downfall this season that they have what the best young striker in Sweden on their team you know and the best young Swedish midfielder and the best young Swedish midfielder and they've got all, all these Danish talents and they've got all these English talents you know like future lionesses and they just can't use them. And I think it's just so sad because West Ham, yeah, don't get me wrong, they have been quite good uh, in, in recent games. But I, I just just seeing them drop points like this and, and, and they wouldn't even a couple seasons ago. And, and, it, and I really did think that it was their season that it was going to be. Um, I, yeah, I, I just think it's sad to see. Um, and, and I don't know about you, but what are you thinking? I mean, I think this shows that Willicker maybe wasn't the problem and that he probably should have been given more time. Um, yeah. So to just integrate the players he signed in the, in the summer uh, because he didn't really get that much time before he was out of, out of there. Uh, and Jean-Luc Busser doesn't seem to know how to, to make these players work together. Although I have to say that Everton started this game quite well. I mean, they had a lot of chances. I mean, they hit the crossbar twice, uh, especially that Govan header of the of the crossbar just had really should have been in instead of hitting the crossbar and going out. So that was yeah. unlucky for them. But after that, uh, that kind of short that period of Everton being good, uh, West Ham just grew into the game and they they took over. And Everton just didn't have any reply after after West Ham scored, to be honest. So yeah. There, there's just a real problem going on there. Uh, I don't think, like, the defence, Everton's defence is very good. I mean, they, they have, they showed kind of their defensive frailties uh, when, when West Ham scored. Yeah. And then, yeah. It just they just don't look like a team, do they? No, not at all. And and it's it's hard. It, I don't even it, know what hard. their plan is. When, when I I I don't know. Like going forward, I mean, what can they really do? I mean, they've they've just re- 
replace their manager so it's a bit of a tricky one and and it's not even a case of oh they can bring in some players they've really got such good players and, and it's just it's just a shame it really is um as for west ham though uh lisa evans is uh, i think she she's just such a good asset to that team yeah um, she is and and i think I, I obviously as an Arsenal fan and, and I followed her quite closely a couple of seasons ago. Um, I, I just think it's so nice to see her um, get get playing time and be be um, used and and be maximised as well. She, she she wasn't really getting that at Arsenal for the past few seasons and and just seeing that she can make such a difference, I think, is just one of the more rewarding things. <laughs> but that's what I like about loans is that sometimes, like of course, like they sometimes they don't work out and whatever, but 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 for a player like Lisa, she really needed it, um, and I this, think it. This <laughs> was just one of, this was one of the things we got right uh, before in in our podcast, and that was that Lisa Lisa Evans would be uh, West Ham's most important player or one of the, their most important players. Yeah, no, I agree, and and from what we said, I mean, I think <laughs> I just, I just think it was always meant to be a good, good combo her and her West Ham. And I think she fits in really well with the players and, and actually just even the whole squad, I mean, their turnaround and um, even from, obviously they did a documentary a couple years ago and just to see that their progress from that, um, that was just before the pandemic to now is, is quite nice. Um, they're not, <laughs> they're only you know they're only seventh but that's that's still good mid-table and that's solid and, and they'll be in the WSL for another season if they keep it up so um yeah and I like yeah. West Ham I mean they, they, they play quite well uh at times they do and also like we talked about Lisa Evans and she's part of kind of a link up that I've really like like to see uh, this season and that's the link up between her and Katarina Svitkova yeah, uh, I thought I they they combined very well, uh, not deadly. only in this game but also in other games. Uh, they just seem to understand each other. I mean, Svitkova has this really good ability in one v ones, so she can drive past players, uh, and then Lisa Evans has just is really well. She moves a lot around, sw- switching wings uh, and just finding the space to to be available and help Svitkova. Uh, so they 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 combined really well. Uh, and you saw that from for uh, saw that mm. uh, from the first goal West Ham scored as well. Yep. So yeah, very so, good. I like them. I do as well. <laughs> Should we go on to uh, City Arsenal? <laughs> yeah, it's the big one, isn't it? City versus Arsenal. It's another one, one. Jonas masterclass with his um, aggression. I you know I'm one of the biggest critics about it so don't worry (laughs) but um do you want me to start off yeah I just didn't have any notes for this apart from no I'm reading I'm reading it I'm like (laughs) (laughs) it's fine I I can talk about this so um obviously Man City played against Arsenal it was a one-all draw um and I I don't really know where to start um, apart from the fact that uh, Arsenal uh, really uh, didn't show that they knew what they were doing at all. Um, the, I'm going to say throughout the whole game, I'm, I might get a bit of criticism for it, but I didn't really see anything special until what, like the last, 
you know, into extra time when when we scored, like into the like the 90th minute. Uh, before that point, it it was quite uninspiring. Um, as for Man City, it, it <laughs> they were they were missing bits. Um, but I would say they're definitely they definitely i'm going to say they definitely deserve, like deserved more of of a of a win or like look the goal was unfortunate from arsenal's uh, from any arsenal fans view obviously it got deflected off of the ref and then there you could be an argument saying well it wasn't attacking play and then you could say no it was attacking play like they should have like stopped the game i just think wsl refereeing that's what i'm going to say um but but as <laughs> I mean, because you you watch it back and you see actually how bad it was that that Beth could have intercepted it and and actually it probably shouldn't have stood, but it, it is what it is. And and actually, I think what's more important is how a team recovers from that. And I actually think that the way that it was handled was it was bad. Um, I understand completely the anger. Um, and I understand completely. Um why a player would want to question it but I don't think it's professional with the aggression um and and I think yes there's 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 passion but there's a borderline between passion and actually just being unprofessional um and Jonas often oversteps that and 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 I actually just think you know that I think what was it today was it yesterday there was a whole thing about FAs finding them um I, I think it's okay to find Jonas I think he overstood, but actually, unless there was any kind of uh, swearing or abuse thrown at the referee from the players, and I don't think the players should suffer from that at all, um, because they were just appealing their goal. Um, but but as for Man City, it was just kind of a um, it was a boost. It was a boost in energy for them. They'd scored a goal, um, but they still managed to lack, and and they let they let in. Uh, Tobin's goal and I mean some people could say oh well their goalkeeper was only 17 only 16 she's only a kid but um, I think at the end of the day it was a point shared and and a really big game Um, and probably one of the better outcomes for both teams considering uh, well Arsenal's not been the best form recently and and actually even Man City are only just coming back to their form so um, yeah it's interesting but actually even with like seeing with Man City's team I think they had more promise um I think I can't remember who was the player she's a really young Jess Park yes Jess Parks that's it <laughs> she, she I think she proved that she's a real talent to come um and, and and that was as an Arsenal fan watching it I couldn't take my eyes off of her I thought she was just really class um and even Lauren Hemp um well, and, she's always and, class. and the city's goalkeeper as well I think it, it just it all for me, it wasn't a great game for them collectively, but I think it was a good game to show that they do have a good future team. Um, and as for Arsenal, we didn't use our signings to the best of their ability, but um, <laughs> I think it was a promising debut. Uh, so uh, from our new left, uh, from our new centre left back. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. It was it was an okay game. It wasn't the most. Uh, you know, dazzling game to watch, but um, at the end of the day, it's a Man City Arsenal game. It's it's going to be nitty and gritty. I had higher hopes for the game, uh, for the, like for the quality of yeah. the game than <laughs> what what they delivered. But you know, um, with Arsenal just being in not great form, 
Uh, I think they showed it also in their play, and this was kind of, yeah. It was a good point for them because they didn't really play well, uh, and they just kind of continued to be, uh, to show their average form. Uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Um, and jo- jo- Jonas's uh, anger problems is starting to become a meme. Uh, which is kind of funny, uh, but Please. the second meme was kind of Lucy Bronze Bronze's reaction to to the equalizer. Uh, did you see that? She just kind of I, no, down. I didn't. What was it? What did she do? Like, um, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but she kind of just fell like fell down uh, <laughs> on her back in frustration and. Yeah. Please no, because it's it's got to a point. I mean, I I tried warning people before he joined Arsenal about his aggression. I said, I said he has got the most uh, yellow cards ever uh, for I think it was in Swedish history for a coach. Um, I said, take it how you will, but but now obviously. I mean, things are, it's a completely different league over in Sweden, the Demelvenskan, and um, I think, <laughs> I think it was kind of more, oh, it's Jonas, but now in WSL, I feel like it's a bit more stricter, um, and yeah, you still do get the Arsenal fans saying, oh, well, it's Jonas, you know, he's just passionate, and I'm like, but I don't think they actually do see the, the unprofessionalism, um, and, and rightfully so, sometimes he should become a meme, because I just, <laughs> I think, like, come on, surely... Surely he must learn, but... <laughs> no. no. <laughs> okay. Do you want to move on? Yes. Sorry. Okay. We've... <laughs> we have, we have, been... we have two postponed games to talk about, which were which was played uh, during this this week. Uh, on Wednesday, Chelsea played uh, West Ham at home, postponed from match day ten, I believe. Yeah, uh, I think and, it's match day ten. And Chelsea won. 2-0. Uh, I don't think it's too much to say about the game, apart from no. like Chelsea completely dominated the game and deservedly won, whilst West Ham were quite disappointing in that they didn't really offer much going forward or threat to Chelsea's defence. Uh, yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I don't think there was much of a... Uh, there wasn't much of a push from West Ham. And I'm... You have to think also, like, when, when was the last time they'd played the game before that? I think they had a, they didn't have that much of a rest um, and they went all out, obviously, um, against Everton. So I think it was it was a good game from Chelsea. They, you know, they picked themselves up after Brighton um, and said, yeah, we're not going to lose. Uh, well, obviously, they didn't lose, but we're not going to, you know, drop points against teams like this. So, um, yeah, I, I think, obviously, there's not much to say about it, except for the fact that Chelsea did dominate and, and scored some good goals. And, uh, and had a lot of chances well. again. Yeah, again, a lot of chances. Um, and actually, even though they did only, they only converted a couple of them, but I don't know. It's it's interesting, but yeah, they, they, they were the better team. Um, yeah, I actually thought Chelsea looked quite good. Yeah. Like they, they just look very fluid going forward and their players were able to find the spaces and they created a lot of, a lot of chances from, from that. The decision-making was, was better in the final third uh, than it was against Brighton and they, they, they got the reward for it uh, in terms of with, with two goals. Yeah. Um, so that's that game. Uh, and we have to talk about 
yesterday's game, uh, which was played between Arsenal and Brighton, also postponed from match day 10, maybe? Yeah, I think Not sure. so. I uh, think it was match day 10. So yeah, Arsenal won 2-1 after going behind 1-0 at halftime, and then they turned it around in the second half. So, Liv, I, since you're an Arsenal fan, obviously, <laughs> you, you can start off with this one. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, um, when Brighton scored first, I thought, right, this is, <laughs> it was like the 15th minute and I thought, Christ, okay, this is, you know, we go again. Um, and I thought, as long as we don't lose this game, I said, if we draw it, it'll be a bit embarrassing as we were taking the mick out of Chelsea. But I thought, if we lose this game, it's bad. And, and actually, Brighton's start was just so much better than ours and, and hands down, um, Arsenal needed that, I think, to 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 get into that game and, and get a kick. But but I think also there was just such a, you know, like we were we were wondering who was who was even going to start at left back. I mean, we've got a bit of an issue at the moment, obviously with our Australian players. We've got quite a few in our squad, um, and they were away in the Asian Cup. And we've also got Mana Irobuchi. She was away, so so we have got quite a few players missing. Um, <laughs> So, so actually, um, we were kind of thinking, okay, how is Jonas going to approach this this game uh, with the lineup? Um, but yeah, because um, obviously Katie was out as well; she was suspended, so uh, we didn't have a left back. It was <laughs> it was a case of who is he going to put there? Um, but but you know, he managed to find a solution. Um, and uh, yeah, so as for the game, they scored in the 15th minute, Brighton, and then Arsenal came back with the 55th minute with Vivian Miedema. Um, but I think also that is just such a huge goal for Viv. Um, you know, with all the speculation going on about maybe her leaving and with Stina coming in, um, she really needed to score and she hadn't scored for a long, long time. Um, so I think for Viv, this game was huge, uh, even if it was just an equaliser, but she showed so much passion even after she scored it. Um, and then obviously Beth Mead with the 60th minute, she had a free kick and uh, it was a beautiful free kick. But when does Beth Mead ever not do a good free kick? I think it's, <laughs> she always ben- bends it like Mido, we say. So, um, yeah, I mean, the game, there's there's lots of positives you can take away from it, but um, there's also some negatives. Um, and and obviously we've got London City Lionesses on Sunday, which I'm going to go to to watch in person. But <laughs> um, I think it's it's really just now a build up for Man United. And I'd say I'd think I consider them more of a threat than Brighton. So it is promising that we that we are beating Brighton 2-1. But now I think he needs to kind of consider more for Man United. That was my thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, looking at Arsenal, I thought they were quite poor in this first yeah. half. I mean, no, I completely agree. They were just still continuing their their, their bad form, really, uh, and bad performance levels. Uh, but then they, they, they looked a lot more like themselves in the second half, and they, they obviously managed to turn things around. Uh, but they, they just looked a lot more uh, threatening going forward. They created more, and uh, they, yeah. A lot more like they did earlier in the season, uh, but I think the, the most important thing, obviously, is was the results for result for them uh, because yeah. it looked kind of grim when going one nil down there. I, I yeah. just thought, oh my god, Arsenal are going to lose again. 
almost, yeah, and we couldn't when afford I, when it. I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. Uh, so. And I think you know Jonas will will take that from the game and also the second half performance, and they they need to build on uh, build on that going into a very tough. Uh, a tough uh, few of, weeks. Yeah, tough run of fixtures with 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 Man United and um, Chelsea. Yeah, I think I think the Chelsea game really is going to be the title decider. Um, it looks to be for sure. Um, and and we have to beat United for us to to have the edge over Chelsea for that game. Um, there's no ifs or but. We can't even you know. A draw, I think, would even shift it that much in the in the title race. That that we really need to win against United. Um, yeah, and United can't really afford to lose either. No, I mean they have Arsenal and then City, and I think they need four points from. from I'm actually those quite teams. gutted that I can't go to this this uh, United game uh, because I feel like the atmosphere is going to be so good, and and actually just how much it means to both teams. Um, yeah, yeah it's gonna I be hope it's going game. to be a really good game. I I think it will be. I I do have I've got I've got faith in it. Um, it's at Arsenal, isn't it? Yeah. So Meadow Park never fails to to give some sort of atmosphere. Yeah, match day fourteen is just going to be insane with Arsenal. Chaos! It will be Chelsea chaos. Today. The Jesus. podcast will be chaos. It will. <laughs> Should we move on to some transfers? Yeah, I think we need to talk about transfer de- deadline day in the WSL, which was yesterday. And some big things happened uh, <laughs> and some not so big things happened. Uh, no. But, you know, it was quite interesting. Uh, I think we should start off with kind of, uh, first of all, I think we need to talk about uh, Rachel Corsi to Aston Villa. I think that's a very big move for, for Villa, getting yeah, I mean... the Scotland captain and bolstering their back line. She is such a huge player. Um, obviously, she, now that Kim Little's not doing captaining anymore, it's now Rachel Corsi. And I think the fact that Villa have managed to get that is just absolutely huge. Um, and, and just the quality she's going to bring both on and off the pitch. And um, I think I'm surprised. I'll be surprised if like not many, you know, I, I think loads of teams would have wanted her in their squad. Um so the fact that Villa got the uh, got her is yeah it's really big for them and actually it will help them kind of climb up the table a bit from that relegation battle and I don't think they will be a contender this year but but just just bunking them up I think she'll do such a huge job so hopefully they can um, you know use her to the best ability and 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 get her get her where she needs to be but yeah really really good move for them how about you. Yeah, I agree. I think she will bring a lot of quality and also experience to to, to the side, uh, bolstering their back line. Uh, I think it's important. I do still believe they, they probably need need a striker still. Uh, and I think they were after a striker as well, but they, they just didn't manage to get any. Uh, but Rachel Corsi, to, getting Rachel Corsi, is, I think it's going to be huge for them. Yeah, I agree. Um. We also need to talk about another defensive reinforcement, and that's uh, Victoria Schneiderbeck going on loan from Arsenal yeah. to Tottenham. Um, I think you should probably talk about this one. Yes, she's going. To I 
I'm really happy for her. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I've seen a lot of negativity about the move on Twitter. And I just think, well, actually, there there shouldn't be any. I mean, I know it's Spurs and I know there are not Archer and me. And I kind of do hate how good of a relationship in women's football we have with them, especially with transfer wise. Um, but but sh- that move for her will be so good um, because she is not being used at all at Arsenal. And I think... It is just such a shame that she that she isn't being played um, to what she used to be. She's certainly not a bad player, um, and yeah, we do have better options at the moment. I think I'd say, but but actually, for for Tottenham, I think she'd be really beneficial, and they've got such a strong back line that um, I think that it would just you know reinforce it even more. Um, but yeah, I mean, this whole situation kind of reminds me a bit of Leonie Mare, um, and and the fact that she was basically frozen out of the squad and, and nobody could really understand why and um she, you know she wasn't the preferred right back uh again but um it's the same with Vicky I think feel like it's the same sort of thing happening um and it is sad but but I do think that this loan move for Vicky will, will open new opportunities and uh obviously she's always going to be chosen for Austria but but it will help you know cement why she should be there um yeah. But yeah, that's, she that's needs my playing time. She, she needs playing time. And she probably will get it at Tottenham. So yeah. uh, probably beneficial for, for both parties, given that Arsenal have also signed an, another centre-back this window. Uh, and the chances of her playing at Arsenal will, were just getting smaller with that. Um, yeah. the, I think we'll finish up with United's transfers, but we need to talk about this huge move, uh, Julie Blockstad going from Norwegian runner-ups twice, uh, two seasons in a, in a row, Rosenborg, to Manchester City for, well, the biggest transfer out of Norway and also close to the uh, Pernilla Harder record fee, uh, I believe. Uh, Even potentially um, Benison as well, isn't it? She, yeah. She was yeah. quite a high fee. Yeah, uh, but, but yeah, and this—I uh, I don't know if you know much about her, but I feel like I can can talk a lot about her because you can. I follow go Norway for and also. <laughs> I haven't seen her play that often, so I feel like you'd be the better one. <laughs> no, like um, um, I think it's a very interesting move. Uh, I think she's one of, if not the biggest talent uh, from Norway. Uh, and she has just dominated the Norwegian league for, for two seasons now uh, at the, during her time at Rosenborg. Uh, such an exciting attacking player. Uh, amazing, well, great dribbling, dribbling skills. Very hard worker as well. Uh, so mm. she does her defensive, defensive job uh, very well. Uh, but it's all about kind of, it's mostly about her quality and well, quality in the final third. Great crosser of the ball, great in one we ones a very good drive with the ball as well. So I'm very curious about what she can do at City. The only thing I will say though is that I'm kind of com- a little confused, given that City just extended with Lauren Hamp uh, to 2025 or something, uh, yeah. and she's such she's also a very young, talented left winger, which is which is the same position Blockstar plays. So I'm very kind of curious about where they see her playing. Um, if 
I like she probably won't go straight into the eleven, and I don't expect her to. But um, yeah, I think. I, I think. But she has to play something, right? Yeah. I, I, the thing is, is uh, you, you're saying that, and I, and I really agree because Lauren Hemp is just so. It's like Man City's wonder kids, you know, they love her, absolutely love her. And and I think actually the fact that they've renewed her and also signed um I, I just think I just think it, it, it kind of shows wh- whether they've signed her oh just to sit on the bench or whether they actually do want her to play. And I, I really do hope that it's not a sort of Ruby May situation when you have a talented player on the bench and they never get played. And and um I really do hope that they do use her because if not, I just feel like it's a waste and, and she could have gone to even any other WSL side um, and and really maximised it. So obviously I, I only really, I want good things for her and for her to play. Um, but, but what do you think? Do you think she's, I mean, obviously she'll take a while to settle in to the 11, but there'll be a big competition. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just hoping that... Uh... Manchester City won't do what Martin Sjögren has done and play her uh, play her at left back because I feel that just wasting her her potential. Uh, she it's isn't like of... <laughs> she isn't a defender at all, although yeah. she does kind of work hard. Uh, but like defensively, defensively, her positioning isn't you know what you expect yeah, no, from, from a left back. Uh, so I really hope they don't play her there. One possibility is that they could play her as a left-sided central midfielder in their four-three-three, uh, taking up kind of the the Caroline Weir role. Uh, maybe they could do that. Maybe they've like seen her work rate and and decided that okay, she can possibly play that role. She hasn't really played that role too much um, for Norway or for Rosenborg because Rosenborg doesn't play that formation. Uh, but I think that could possibly be interesting since uh, I think when you see Caroline real play, she quite often drifts out wide to, to pro- provide an option for Dornham and also uh, left back. So they kind of have an overload in that area uh, and create from there. So if yeah. that's kind of the thought process, I think Doxta will do very well due to her quality in the wide areas. Um, but I like I preferably see would like to see her in kind of her best position at, at left wing, uh, despite the competition being <laughs> Lauren Hemp and being extremely <laughs> tough tough to 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 drop her um, to, to the bench. It wouldn't be the best uh, <laughs> person no. you could compete with. <laughs> but yeah, maybe as kind of a left sided central midfielder uh, could be interesting. Um, Agreed. Should we talk about Manchester United because they did? Go on, Christian. No. <laughs> well, no, because I mean, United looked to be signing absolutely no one. There were yeah, like I mean, no rumors. We were saying last window. podcast, he was like, Mark Skinner was like, oh yeah, we might sign a. Like we're not, we're not thinking about it. But if it happens, it happens. And we were like, okay, yeah. they're not signing anyone. <laughs> And we thought, and we thought uh, Rachel Daly would would come in due to kind of her her relationship yeah, with I'm actually Turner surprised and that also that hasn't... their interact their kind of interaction on Instagram and in the yeah, comments and the sure. posts, like saying, "Oh, don't you mean your teammates or, or whatever stuff like that?" 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, Manchester United signed three players. Uh, <laughs> One of them uh, I really like. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we will get to her last because <laughs> uh, I think with Militarn's injury, they desperately needed a centre-back uh, because they only had two fit ones uh, and or two actual centre-backs. So they signed uh, Irish international Diane Caldwell, a 33-year-old from uh, North Carolina Courage. Yep. I don't know anything about her. I, I but don't I kind of, But I kind of just feel like they signed her because they went like, we, it was really, a panic. Need a, we really need a centre-back. She's available. She's a centre-back. Let's just get her in for depth. Get her uh, for the numbers. So it, it kind of feels like a bit of a panic signing. And, and although it's just a six-month loan, I think they just need to get, they, they need yeah, to get they, someone Yeah, they need in. someone there. Um, I guess she, she will bring experience, uh, but I don't know like anything about her as a player other than that. Um, but yeah, I guess no. I, I, it's better than no one to, to it... say it, to put it that way. Because if United would go into uh, this this run of fixture with fixtures with only two centre backs, but then also. Like obviously she's she's thirty three, so I think that must surely come with some experience. Um, so so I think I think also off the pitch she might be able to to, to kind of to help give yeah, yeah to, to help in that sort of way and fill in because obviously Minnie as we said she's got quite a leadership trait so maybe um, yeah maybe she also has that I, but other than <laughs> other than that I'm not too sure. <laughs> it is kind of a six month loan. I think I'm kind of forgetting that as well. Yeah. I'm just thinking, oh, they've signed this player, but no, it is only six months. Um, so yeah, this, uh, that was the first signing they announced from like around six p.m. something, uh, and then sometime later they announced the signing of English international Jade Moore uh, on a deal until the end of next season. Um, I'm just. Well, she's a midfielder and she played for Atletico Madrid last season and she's worked under Mark Skinner at the London Pride and Birmingham too, I believe, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, Birmingham, I think. Um, so, like, what do you think about this one? Mm, it's, it's an interesting one because, obviously, as you said, it's still only until the end of, well, you said next season. Yeah. Um, I think... Obviously, she's got ties in with Mark, so that's obviously helped her out a lot. Um, but but I'm not too sure if it's what United was looking for. Of course, they need somebody that's a bit better than uh, Katie Zeldin at the moment. Uh, but then we've got uh, Jackie as well. And, and I just hope that he's not going to prioritise her over the players that should be on the pitch. Uh, she, don't get me wrong, she's certainly not bad and, and she'll come with some really good experience And but but mm, if I was a United fan I'm not too sure if I'd be entirely over the moon about it um, um, well, I'm, I'm not really, to be honest ah, here we go, let's go <laughs> because, well, first of all I don't really understand why we signed a midfielder because we have six midfielders already Um <laughs> I mean, I get that well, Mark is playing every midfielder in every game now. So I guess that's it. But she's 
she's not match fit, so that takes time to get her match fit. Uh, and I don't really see like what else what else she brings to the midfield that's not already there. Maybe yeah. like this, like I guess I, I haven't watched her because like I got into women's football too late. To watch I haven't like, watched um, her for a long time. But I assume, well, from from what kind of I've been I've heard and what Mark Skinner has said is that, well, you you know, uh, when you played Jade Moore, you, you you know you played against Jade Moore in that she's a very tough midfielder to play against, tough yeah. probably tough tackling and very annoying in terms of work rate and stuff like that. But you already kind of has have that in in Haley Nad, so yeah, mm. not too excited because I just feel like she's well, she's thirty one and kind of feels like a bit of an average signing. Yeah, I I, 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 I feel not... like United should aim higher. To to say that she was really good when uh, she's played for Notts County. Um... I remember that she was a really star player because because obviously they they were a really good team back in 2015 2016 when I first started watching women's football, um and she she like her partnership with Ellen Y and and that that was all really good but I haven't and then obviously she went to to Birmingham, but actually I haven't really seen her her play since then so so. I saw her in some Champions League games for Atletico Madrid last season. Yeah. And I just... I, she, I she's just... I, I she's there. She's not a bad player, but she doesn't have... Anything special. Anything maybe. special or anything so impactful, if you know what I mean. The one thing I really fear, and I hope this is not the case, is that Mark Skinner knows that Jackie Cronin is leaving United this summer and... Oh, for sure. I feel like that's 100% a reason why she's been brought in. Because I thought it was going to be a loan. Uh, But it's actually a one and a half year contract. Mm. So I'm I really fear that. I'm sorry to bring it up, but this is just my real fear. And if if that's the case, I'm just like, what the fuck is the club doing? I mean, it's United's own downfall. Um, it's such, it's such a big downgrade from Jackie Gronin to Jane Moore. <laughs> no, it's it's United things. Uh, did, before we move on to the last one, did you see uh, that tweet from from Manchester City fan uh, putting out kind of a light uh, 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 a picture of an archaeologist uh, uh, digging up a fossil or something, and then with the caption live image of United's recruit scouting network or whatever. Um, Please. It was so funny. I know, like... So funny. No, because they're not wrong, though. It's always hard. Yeah. Cause yeah, because I so signed bad. a 33-year-old and a 31-year-old, so I understand it. I mean, I laughed really hard. It, it, it's, it, it's great banter, to be fair. It's, like, it's funny because then, like, 31 and 33 aren't even that old, but it's more to the fact that, like... <laughs> I look. I would be like if anyone else like so. If Arsenal had a window where they signed like three thirty, like thirty plus year olds, I think I'd be like, okay, this is a bit of an issue. But actually, United kind of needs it in the sense of their leadership. And I'm gonna go back into the senior thing, but actually, they do need it. 
like yeah okay that the, yeah, some of them might that be many leaders some of them might be towards the end of their careers but don't get me wrong i feel like the ones that you've signed might help you out a little bit for that for that sort of sector but yeah that was just my view on it <laughs> okay let's talk about the one that i'm really excited about excited Run. about and you're probably so excited about it because you like really know this player and like her. Wow. Uh, United signed Danish player of the year and striker from Lyon, Signe Brun, on a loan deal until the end of the season. And I can't like hide my excitement because I you're really rate so it. lucky. I'll, I'll let you get to it before I go into kind of. A, a... <laughs> this is where I'm gonna start off. Is how bloody lucky you are. I think I tweeted at, um half an hour before she was announced. I said if, I said if you, <laughs> if United manages to sign Brun, I think I will cry. And then it was released half an hour later. And I, 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 she is just such a class player, and she hasn't been maximised at all at Lyon. And and she was so good at PSG, and she's so good with the national team. I mean, if you watch her play for the national team, you will know what I'm on about. She can just score, create chances. Um, yeah, I honestly, I think she's such a class player, and she's exactly what United need if they want to become a top three team. And they're certainly capable of it. Um, but but this player will. Yeah, she'll put on a fire and she will just give you the goals that you want if you give yeah. her good support. <laughs> yeah. So it's it, look, you've got yourself a really class striker. All I can hope for is that the midfield are good and the, the wingers are good and that they create opportunities for her because she will serve you well. Um, I'm not going to lie, though. I did find the whole the whole move situation very odd and very last minute and confusing because from what I knew I thought she was enjoying her time at Lyon obviously she wasn't being played but as obviously they've they've got Hedeberg back they've got they've got all of these these strikers coming back and um it there wouldn't have been a spot for her um and and with the prospect of I mean because I was very much so at first like why has she chosen a team that's not even Champions League football but actually if you do look at the table you know Man United are obviously it favourites to get Champions League play at the moment and and um, yeah I, I I'm gonna I've never really been so excited for a player to come to the WSL so she's got Olivia's seal of approval but let's just hope I don't jinx her because <laughs> my jinx in but I'm gonna let you you talk about it, Christian go for it go ahead um, no um I think like one of the prospects or reasons for her moving is that she probably wasn't going to get too much playing time at Lyon with Hegerberg being back to firing in goals as she does and also the summer coming back uh, from the NWSL uh, so they already had two strikers there and there's also a Euros uh, coming up in the summer and she definitely wants to be to be, to be there. To, to, to be in the Denmark squad and fit and ready uh, she was always going to be in the Denmark squad. Yeah, but, but, but no, I do agree with you. Just fit and ready, having yeah, the confidence, definitely. having played a lot and, and stuff like that. So I assume that's p- part of it. And United were after a striker. Uh, I do like throughout the whole window, I think, at least according to reports. Um, I haven't like watched her for Denmark. I have watched her for Lyon in the Champions League. <laughs> uh, for for some games and from what I've seen I think 
Well, she looks. Well, I'm, I'm really excited because she looks like a class striker to me. Like yeah. she scores goals and she has this really good movement and smartness in the box, like being able to locate and find space and just uh, getting something on the end of a cross or a pass to to towards yeah. goals and stuff like that. I, I mean, think there's still some aspects of her play that needs to improve in that. Yeah, for I, sure. I found her getting caught offside quite a lot for Leon. Um, um, yeah, I think I think that was. It's funny because um, I feel like Denmark is the team that maximizes her the most, um, and and in the sense of just the playing style, just just suits her so perfectly. Um, with the Danish team, she, I, I, she's very rarely caught offside. I think I, it's never become an issue so that I've noticed it. Um, she. she yeah, but then again, I it it it's all going to be show and tell whether she is a player that can work off, you know, be like a bit like Vivian Miedema can can do stuff by herself and isn't so reliant on the team, or whether she is actually really reliant on the team. Because with Denmark, like it's it's quite hard to tell whether she can have that quality on her own, or whether that's all completely to do with the whole team working well together. Um, she, yeah, I I I honestly I feel like. Actually, now that I've sat back, I've had a day to process it. It is actually a really good move for her and, and to, to be playing in the WSL because she will get played. And if she's not being played, it's criminal. OK, Mark Skinner, like if you're not playing her, are you OK? Because honestly, she, she obviously, as you said, she's Denmark's star player. So, uh, well, player of the season. So, um, yeah, I think I think she's good. And um, yeah, be interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, as I said, very excited and also very interested in how she will be used and also how Mark Skinner will set up yeah. the team now. Because one thing I don't want to see is Alessia Russo pushed out as a winger. I just feel that's wasting her potential as a number nine. I think she's a, almost the perfect number nine for, for Manchester United. I think she's proven it this season and she also proved it the few games she played last season before she got uh, severely injured. Yeah. Um, so I hope like I hope uh, Skinner will will actually play them together. Uh, and this is the chance for Skinner to prove his prove tactical adaptability and tactical prowess and implementing a new formation into the United team. Uh, because with how many midfielders he Midfielders is currently playing, and also getting Signe Brun now on loan. You now have a lot of midfielders, and you have two really class strikers. So, this is I apologize, Lee, because you won't talk much during this. Uh, but my no, suggestion right. is that what needs to happen, maybe not every game, but it needs to be implemented as a weapon in his tactical, uh, yeah, part of his tactics. Is for United for him to switch United into a four-four-two diamond team um, with Brune and with Russo up front. Um, I know. I mean, United don't really have many wingers now. They only have Kirsty Hansen, who's currently out injured, and Leah Golton, who's coming back to form. Uh, so you might think it's weird that I suggest playing a formation without wingers, but Leah Golton can work very well as a left back in this formation due to the formation relying on 
the fullbacks to provide the width uh, in the team. Uh, but I think just switching to a 4-4-2 diamond will be very beneficial, not only because of United's now two strikers, but also because of their midfield and the general play, uh, order and their play in general. The reason being is that, uh, while well, you have a lot of great midfielders who's currently in form. You have Haley Ladd, who's kind of the the deepest defensive destroyer, uh, but she's not the best ball player. And then you have Wilde who's in really good form. You have Jackie Gronen, who's coming back from injury, and you know how good Jackie Gronen is, and you have Alatune. I think that's kind of the midfield you have to play. Lad as the number six, you have Gronen and Berisa as the two number eights, and then you have Alatune as the number 10 behind Russo and Brun. I think that will work really well. Yeah. Uh, you might say, well... The absence of Captain Katie Salom, you might think, is very strange. But um, the reason being is that I think she shouldn't start as part of United's best midfield due to kind of her her mistakes. Um, going into kind of the general play in a 4-4-2 diamond, like in United's build-up play, is that given that United don't have kind of this defensive midfielder that's that can dictate play, and play through lines and play forward passes. I think Haley Ladd is a fantastically good defensive midfielder. Yeah, I agree. Kind of destroyer part of it, breaking up play and intercepting and stuff like that. But she doesn't have the ball playing ability, and I think that's showing. That's showing in that she's ranked 79th in the league for players uh, or for passes into the final third. So, so that's yeah. not great. So you it's know, not. I think that so, so she knows. So she likes to keep her passes simple for the most part. Uh, yeah. And Katie Salem, she has a pass accuracy of like seventy three point four percent or something like that, uh, and that's too low to be kind of a lone defensive midfielder. And she also doesn't have the defensive game. The benefit with the four four two diamond is that. Um, in the build-up play, you can create triangles. You have a triangle with the two center backs and the defensive midfielder. You have a triangle between the two number eights and the defensive midfielder. You have a triangle between the number 10 and the two number eights, and also a triangle between the number 10 and the two strikers. The good thing about having these triangles is that you create angles. Um, uh, what I mean by that is that when you like it's easier to build up play when you have when you receive a pass from an angle than from like if you have your back to goal and you receive it straight to feet. It's easier to turn and it will create more fluidity. And you do that uh, in the four four two diamond. You can build up from with kind of your two center backs and your defensive midfielder. Lab can use her simple passes to pass into the two number eight number eights from an angle. She doesn't need to be uh, spectacular on the ball. She just needs to do the, do the defensive work. So she can play, for example, you have Ronan, who's kind of on the right side, I assume, of the of the midfield. And you can just have her standing side sideways receiving the ball. And then it's very easy to uh, receive the ball and then move forward with it. 
that's a lot easier than to receive it with the back to gold and you have to turn away uh, or just play a pass back uh, but you can just t- receive and turn in the same movement when you receive a pass from an angle yeah. and you can have that throughout the whole team with the number eights and the number 10 and the number 10 and two strikers and so on so i think that that will really be beneficial to united's build up play it will create a better rhythm more fluidity uh, and just a good also a good defensive structure which can kind of uh, change you can like defend in a compact 442 you can defend in the 4141 uh, no, not four one. No, well, four four two at least, and just nice space. Uh, and then you have kind of the width being provided by the two fullbacks. Onabache is a very strong attacking fullback. The same for Handon Blundell, but you can also utilize Leah Golden as attacking qualities uh, by playing her at left back and just putting in crosses. So yeah. yeah. I just think it needs to happen when now that United have two strikers, they can play. Yeah, and maximize it too. Yeah, maybe not for like all the games. But even if they try it out and but like, just I just want give to it a see. Good go. and yeah. I, just, I want to see it tried and just see that Skinner is able to to see stuff like this because the four four two diamond is, is also kind of a good formation to. For, for pressing, you can like push up the fullback or uh, one of and the two number eights, uh, and then kind of have a very good pressing structure. Uh, by and deny your opponents the easy pass and force them to go long or uh, kind of lure them into a trap uh, with a. Have them having to make a difficult pass and then you just pounce and steal the ball high up the yeah. pitch. Uh, so you can, for example, put like the two strikers on the two center backs. You can put Alutun on the defensive midfielder, for example, and then you you have the number eights also pushing up uh, towards kind of the fullbacks, and then you can you can press very well that way. Um, so yeah. I apologize for this tactical thing being very long. <laughs> no, it's good. It brings a different probably perspective. Probably very as well. incoherent and just a mess. Uh, but yeah, this is Skinner's chance to, to prove that, prove some tactical prowess. Maybe we'll send him the link in in the in the description. Yeah, we should probably do that. Hi, Mark. Just thought you could uh, listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but what you're saying is true. Um, and I feel like if if he was to adapt a formation like that, it, w- it would really benefit the United. And now that, especially that they've got two strikers, as you said, like, yeah, I, f- I feel like it'd be really good than what they're already using. Yeah, I think so but Yeah. Too. There we so, go. So, yeah, we've talked for a long time, and I think... An hour and a half. <laughs> well, I think we should, should end it on my attempt yeah. at a tactical... Apologies uh, for the uh... <laughs> explanation. <laughs> no, I'm sure I'm sure it'll be enjoyed. <laughs> so yeah, um, thank you, Liv, for for joining me once again. It was it was great to have you on. No worries. Thank you for having me back on, Christian. I always enjoy it, and uh, hopefully I'll be back on soon. Thank you to everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed this long episode of of the podcast. <laughs> it's always long when we do it. <laughs>
apart from that, follow us on Twitter at Football Engine One. And we will be back soon with another episode.